Hello and welcome to Jerry Anderson Heroes and Villains. Stay on this channel. This is an emergency. Each episode, we'll choose at random a story from an Anderson show ranging from Fireball XL5 to Terrorhawks. I think this frequency should be put on priority monitoring. We'll then look at the hero and villain of the tale, discuss any behind the scenes, actor information, and I'm sure numerous tallies. Shadow control to all stations. We have a red alert. Repeat, condition is red. And at the end, crucially, we're going to vote for them. Stand by for action. Well, hello and welcome to a brand new show from NeoZaz Productions. Um, if you've hopped on over from one of our other shows, good to have you here. Uh, but if you're not and you're new to us, <laughs> yes. Uh, um, well, luck. good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I say good, you say bad. Yeah. My, my name's Eric and over there we've got Ian. Hello, listener. Yeah, new listener. If, if New listener, yeah. I'd be interested in... I don't know where our demographic comes from. I know where our demographic ends up, usually in the gutter with us. Yeah. But I don't know where the demographic comes from as to, like, what... Because our other stuff, you sort of... There's been a, a progression, as like we did uh, Blake 7 and that fed on to Doc 2. So sort of, you can see the people... I'm not sure who... Would a Mad Max fan come over to um, Puppets on Strings? I know not. I, I know not. Know. And also we we have this question with this brand new show is that I know the Jerry Anderson shows were shown in other countries. Yes. But they weren't nationally shown and at different times of the 20th century they first yes, appeared. Yeah. So so I don't know listener is, if you're yeah. a brand new listener if you're from the UK or abroad um let us know. Let yeah, did you cuz cuz I suppose if we did a little uh, delve into the worldwide history of Jerry Anson, because I know, because um, Jerry Anson over here, he's an institution, and we use it as a, although we say it's Jerry Anson, it's not really in the same way that people say it's Ray Harryhausen, because Ray Harryhausen did everything. He he was a one-man band pretty much until Clash of the Titans. But Jerry Anson, it's a, a, an all-encompassing, isn't it? It's like he didn't, he didn't really do any of the work himself as such. He was a producer and he hired the best people at certain times and not at others. And so he, he was very good manager, very good sort of choosing the ideas that worked type guy, but definitely yeah. an institution. So it, it, pretty much anyone above the age of sort of 15, 16, it, would probably know Jerry Anderson. Certainly, our sort of age, it was a a staple growing up. Yeah, um, yeah. but I'm not sure about elsewhere. I know in Japan the shows were massive because mm -hmm. of obviously the the uh, hardware. That's the other thing Jerry Anderson shows are known for, isn't it? The hardware, not necessarily the characters. Mm -hmm. There are some good ones. Mainly the hardware, the ships, the craft, the vehicles. So in Japan, it was massive and still is. In America, I'm not sure because they tr they used the, they edited a load of them into films, didn't they? The Super Space Theater mm -hmm. shows. Fireball X for Five never got that. Uh, none of the black and whites, I don't think, did because there was this view that no one's going to watch black and white stuff, which is very strange, but still holds up these days. You know, companies don't like to release black and white things. But in America, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is it well known? Is it seen as a kiddie thing? Uh, is it is it even known at all? Mm. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I say, let us know that uh, yeah. with all our shows, we have a, a corresponding Facebook page, yeah. and that is already created. That's up and running. So yeah, that, drop a drop drops a line over there. Just let let's know you're there, who you are, where you're from, because it is yeah. going to be interesting. It will, uh, yeah, this. to see how it breaks down. Yeah, um, what you were just saying then about Jerry Anderson um, uh, is is you're absolutely right. He he liked in much the same way as George Lucas did yeah. with Star Wars. He yeah yeah he came up with the concept. He came up with the ideas. I mean, in the early days, he he, he wrote some of the uh, stories. Yeah. Um, but he just like George Lucas, um, it, it was it was lightning in a bottle, wasn't it? He 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 managed to bring together a team of production designers, special effects, music, lighting. He had this pool of very, very talented yes, yes. creative types around him, and he was the producer of his shows, yeah. wasn't he? And I'm not saying he didn't do anything, but he didn't... He was. He, he never designed any of the ships. No. He never designed any of the characters any uniforms any of the look but he was the guy that brought it all together like yeah george yeah. lucas is a very good example um and uh, i mean there is schools of thought that sylvia anderson had as much to do with the success as jerry did and when they split up jerry's stuff was never the same again mm. which i think there's a you know there's a certain element of truth to but like like all all film and tv that it's a collaborative medium but even though they have some of the best special effects guys working on it it's always just referred to as a jerry anderson show mm. you know and that sort of yeah it, i i don't know whether some of the other guys used to get i yeah i don't know that. i don't know if people get were, were, yeah. were rankled by you, you, you know Derek Meddings, of course, became yeah. a very uh, a famous name, and 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 not far below him was the likes of Mike Trim. Yeah. But I I think one of the pro, uh, um, uh, uh, pr very productive, influential, very important people also was Reg Hill. Yeah. He um but uh, yeah but we'll talk about all this as as, as the show yeah. moves along. Um, now if you're not aware of me and Ian until now. Um, <laughs> lucky, lucky Ferris. <laughs> um, yeah, we've been doing a, a number of podcasts. They're usually yeah. something in character, and we've done a number of them. Um, you know, Mad Max, The Thing. We're doing Alien. We've just finished Blade Runner. Um, we've done Blake 7 in character. And in those, we went, at least the TV things like Blake 7, we've, we've looked at every character in every story yes um and but we have another show called doctor who adversaries and that's the one this show is is more uh similar to yeah, in yeah. that yeah we take it in turns don't we um go in and select in a story from you know the time of the first doctor second doctor all the way up and then we start all over again and that's what we're going to do with, um, with this show we start with fireball xl5 we're going all the way through to terror hawks with the exception of the secret service we've decided we're not going to cover the secret service because neither of us really yeah uh, we're not. We're not familiar. I've got zero uh, background with Secret Service. I've got zero Never enthusiasm for, yeah. for watching it yes. as well. Um, and and that's, that's what we're going to do. So every time we have a run, um, you know, we'll start with Fireball XL5 and, um, and then we'll just go round and round and round. All right? Yes. Um, and also what we do in all our shows is we have lots of tallies, don't we? 
We do, yeah. We have um, various and, tallies, vehicle tallies, character tallies. And thing so we're going to be doing all tallies. that as well. Yep, yep, yep. So it's similar format to Doctor Who yep. Adversaries. So if you followed us across from Do- Doctor Who Adversaries, and I, yeah. I've got a feeling some of our listeners to Doctor Who Adversaries will be here. I think so. I hope so. I hope we see the familiar faces. Yeah, I hello. Hope we see new faces. But hello, Mickey. Hello, yeah, Mark. Hello, Mickey. Yeah. All right, Mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we know you're a fan of Jerry Anderson, of course, not us. You know, you secretly hate us uh, for, our, for our amazing good looks. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't think a- anyone that's coming across from one of our other shows, I don't think will be overly surprised. Uh, it's going to be the same old mixture of, of waffle, trivia. digressions, trivia, uh, us talking about our childhood in great and wistful detail. Um, but hopefully it'll be a good ride. I think, the, um, am I right in thinking uh, this first run round... We're looking at the first episode of each show, exactly. Rather yeah. than us choosing yeah. it, aren't we? Yeah, because otherwise, if I'm meant to be choosing next week's, we're 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 gonna have to have a little edit while I go and look at an episode list. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, yeah, this first run, as you say, it's the first yeah. ones because what we're gonna do each for each show, uh, we're gonna look at the very first story, and also, and this is what we're just about to do now before we get into the. Uh, uh, the story today is, uh, and I'm going to ask you this each time, although the, the second part of this question isn't relevant because you're a young whippersnapper. And the question is, what is your first memory of Fireball XL5 and how old were you when it was first transmitted? Uh, I was... Uh, minus. Minus, because this was 64, wasn't it? 62. 62 was this one. Oh, wow. I was minus six. Right. Um, weirdly... Uh, I don't remember a time when I didn't know about it, but that was through sort of osmosis and my brothers and my dad uh, and, you know, occasionally we had toys. I don't know which toys were, but I remember there was a toy fireball. It might have been a fairy light one or something like that. But um, I didn't actually see this because, like I say, the, for us in the UK... Uh, there wasn't really at the beginning of VHS. There wasn't really any way of watching these other than the Super Space Theater, which were like they would take four or five episodes of an Anderson show, edit them together, knacker them with new special effects, mm. uh, redub the music, and then release them. And that was all we could get on uh, CIC uh, hard case rentals. I loved those cases, um, and it was a good way to watch it. But Fireball never got it. So the first time I watched Fireball is. Uh, I'm presuming ITV uh, repeated it in the summer each morning. Um, when would this have been? In the 70s? This, no, this would have been the 80s. Uh, this was, I think it was, it must have been before, you know, because um, Channel 4 started showing Anderson shows uh, Sunday lunchtime. They did Lost in Space and the Irwin Allens, and then they did the, uh, the Jerry Andersons. And they were amazingly successful one o'clock on a sunday you could watch it but xl5 was in the morning so it would have been around that sort of time which right. i think was what about 85 86 they started doing that um but yeah i remember watching them in the mornings uh and i i again my my memory is hazy on it but it's like you you, you always picture some of us being super hot and lovely back then but yeah it was summer summer mornings i remember watching this and i um I remember loving it. I remember falling in love with it and loving it. It's so stupid. It's so cheesy. But in a, it hasn't got a, 
an ironic bone in its body. It's been absolutely serious. And to me, that really hit my funny bone. I found this very enjoyable show. Um, I used to have a, a Fireball XO5 annual, I think. Because uh, I remember reading stuff, but it might have been one of those TV21s. Oh, right. was a bit of a compilation. Um, but yeah, unlike, unlike say, Thunderbirds, things like that, we, there was never any sort of corgi toy, no dinky toys. No. Um, so it was a, this was... You read about it in magazines. I remember when when did SIG? That was about eighty eight. Yeah, eighty eight, eighty nine. And I remember reading about it in that they did the episode guide and that. Um, but it wasn't really till Channel Five started releasing them on VHS that I I really got sort of quite familiar with it. Um, but yeah, were you you you? Were you just around when this yeah. was on? Yeah, it's really weird. In in my mind, you know, the early um, the early uh, Jerry Anderson shows were out before I was born, and in my mind, Thunderbirds is about the year I was born. But it's that that's wrong. I was born the same year that Fireball XL Five came out. I was oh, born right. in '62. So you can't um, remember it then. Can I can't remember. I have repeated. no memory of watching it whatsoever. I I have no memory of annuals um i don't think i ever got tv 21 um i i have absolutely i've got memories of supercar um oh by that's the way because that would have been that's that is before i was born earlier now there is i haven't told oh, you that's, this that's interesting i was just um just looking on uh, uh the internet to see if i could find any dates for repeats um, and this might account for you watching it. It might even account for me watching it. So it was uh, regularly repeated on ITV between 68 and 74. Ah, so I might have seen it. And that could be when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would have been quite, I would have been six. Yeah. That... See, that's the thing. I've, I'm aware of it. I've, I've always been aware of Fireball XL5, this black and white show from Jerry Anderson, but I have no memory of of anything to do do with it at all um no I, I was just about to say the the reason we're not starting and you don't know this the reason we're not starting with supercar and we're starting with fireball xl5 is i find supercar deeply disturbing right, right. In what in what way I, I, the monkey I, I, uncomfortably disturbing and right. you, you you know when you're little you can have like a, a an emotional reaction to something and it can stay with you into adulthood yes right i think i was either given or i borrowed or or at some point i i read i guess it was a supercar annual and i was horrified by these these strange faces of all oh, of them, right. mike mercury and all of them and I still can't look at them now without going, ugh. <laughs> yeah, it, that is a weird thing. And I think we'll we'll get into this much, much more as we cover each series. Because this is something new for us, isn't it? We're going to be looking at each series in turn in order of production. Not the episodes, but the series themselves. And I think we'll we'll get to where we're regularly saying this is an improvement on the last one. Mm. And you can see this even now. So Supercar... The, the difference between the puppets between Supermar Supercar and Fireball XO5 is subtle, but is marked, isn't it? It's like you look at the even the, the hero in Supercar, yeah, he's an ugly lump of fiberglass. Yeah. Yeah. It's angular, it's not well sculpted. And then we get here, 
and they're a bit more human-like, they're better. And then we get to Stingray, and not only are the puppets better, the characters are better. And then we get to Thunderbirds, where both are real leap forward. And it it's a gradual improvement over everything, the ships, the mm. the filming. Um, it, it, and I think we'll find this. But yeah, the, the human characters and that dreaded monkey in, um, in Supercar look horrendous. Yeah. I the was deeply disturbed by them. Yeah, it's like, ugh. but I, I never. Other than Secret Service, Supercar is the one I've seen the least of of all of Anderson's. I've seen more Dick Spanner than Supercar. Blimey. Um, so this is going to be strange because up until now, I mean, I bought the box set, yeah. you know, a while back, you know, because we knew that we were going to be doing this show. Um, and... Did you get the network one? Oh, it's yes, glorious, that, isn't it? it's got a lovely I... booklet in it. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be reading yeah. from that, um, for, for yeah. my behind-the-scenes information. There's more behind-the-scenes information in that booklet than you can find on the internet. Yes. Um, but i tell you what I don't like about that network um, uh, box set is the awful menu. On, yeah, yeah. You, it, it goes on forever. This, yeah. this, this little film with the professor and, oh, it's, you, you've, got to, the, you, you've got to sit through yeah. that for ages. It, here's, here's a little tip for any... any blu-ray or dvd producers that might be listening in <laughs> um they seem like a good idea at the beginning but comedy menus elaborate menus repetitive music is awful if you're watching a series don't do it just have have it you know don't even put your logo on it because i literally i was earlier i was um i was watching that Laurel and hardy blu-ray and the universal startup fanfare and the planet three times before you hit the menu yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. so annoying but yeah the, the the menu on this is too elaborate yeah and it goes on forever yep um but uh, before i got this dvd thing the um box set um the only uh time i've ever seen fireball xl5 ever that i can remember uh watching oh, wow. was uh, years back, what, 15 years ago yeah. or something, there, there was a DVD anthology come out called uh, This is Super Mar- Marionation, and it was the first episodes oh, of all the yes, puppet I shows. That. Yeah. And uh, so I know I've seen this this story yeah, before, this but story. as we go forward and you choose a story, I'm going to be watching stories yeah. I've never seen before. So this is going to be interesting. It will be interesting to see what you make of them, because I know you're a, a big fan of Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, things like that. I wonder if these early shows are going to sort of tickle your fancy. Well, shall we look? Shall we get yeah, into shall we have this? A look at this one? Yes. So let, let's get into this story then. Steve Zodiac, you appear to have recovered from the effects of the coma ray. What's happened to Venus? Your Earth woman is quite safe. For the moment. Where is she? She is out there in the rocket that will be launched against Earth in exactly eight minutes from now. You're bluffing. Am I? (laughs) Commence launching procedure. Okay. What do you want me to do? Very simple. Instruct your spaceship to land. And if I don't? You will. I thought it was Planet 46. This story is called Planet 46. It's not. It's Planet 46. 
in the in thing. They call it Planet 4-6, yeah. but not 46. And apparently I saw that um, it was a, a tradition with the early Jerry Anderson shows in that the first episode didn't have a title. Yes, yeah, it, it, very strange. I don't know what the, the idea was, but yeah, the, the first episode, the, the opening credits are very different to what we get as a continuing series. Um, it's not, you don't normally get that now, do you? Normally it's, there's a consistency. Uh, but yeah, they don't show the title up on screen for this one. I mean, it's not a particularly riveting title, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, I bet, I, if they'd have put it on, I imagine most people going, oh, I missed the first 45 episodes. Yeah. Oh, no. What is really weird is this this opening that we have a Fireball XL5. Yeah. And I presume every episode starts the same with Steve and Venus on their little jet bikes. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think the to start with it does, and then the, I think the, the credits get smaller. But yeah, the, it start usually starts with the um, uh, "Come on, we're needed" type, and then mm-hmm. they they towards the thing, and then we get the launch and the the wonderful music. Um, just before they launch, right? They get on their little jet bikes, which yep. I guess we'll see uh, a, a relative of in Thunderbirds because they've got very similar yep. ones in Thunderbirds. Um, they go up and over Fireball XL5 to yeah. the hatch in the top. Um, is that the only way in and out of Fireball XL5? Is through that uh, top hatch? Yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously, if Fireball Junior's undocked, then you've got the hatch on the back of Fireball Junior. But no, they, they go up on top. I mean, the the real reason, I suppose, is because it's a, a lovely um, beauty shot of the various scale models. Oh, it is um, wonderful. And of course, yeah. you know, Ian and I were going to... We're going to rip these stories uh, to pieces, um, not because we don't like them. It's because we like them, and and and, we, and and that's what we do. We've got to remember also that this is a children's show. Yeah. So so you know, I'm sitting there, you know, an old man watching it and going, if that's the only way in and out of the ship, how do you get cargo up and in it then? Dirty great cranes. I mean, there's various things that you have to ask on this. It's like. Later on, even in this first episode, we see the ship taking off vertically and landing vertically. Why does it need a ramp? I've got that written down. Yeah. If 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 they can land on a planet regular, why why, why go through yeah. this very elaborate ramp business? I imagine it's because one of the writers saw uh, when worlds collide. It like, is when worlds collide. But of course, yeah. um, who picks how... up the ramp? Who picks up the little trolley? Uh, uh, who picks up the presumably wrecked trolley thing yeah. I have put? <laughs> they should do. They should have had one episode towards the end of the show where they, you get that thing, nah, 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 and it takes off, and then the camera just pulls away from XL5 down to this uh, valley that's filled up with all these uh, broken trolleys. Yeah. Yeah. Lieutenant Zero just there going, oh, "What am I going to do with them?" Um, you, you you say when worlds collide? Of course, you know there was a real world equivalent. Um, the Doodlebugs yeah. yeah, exactly, in World War yeah. Two took off exactly the same way, didn't they? On a little yeah. trolley thing. And we we sort of forget, I suppose, that this is so early on. This is this is you know uh, six years before man landed on the moon. This all we had was the V weapons. Yeah. To go yeah. well, that's a rocket, isn't it? Yeah, the Doodlebug took off like this. I mean, at least with the Doodlebug, they had a, a trolley that stayed on the ramp. Yes. You know, you didn't know. This one just yeah. shoots off the end. Yeah, these these uh, these Space City uh, planners are thicker than Nazis. Yeah. Let that sink in. 
I didn't see any safety fences no. around that area, so somebody could be walking their dog and just yeah. get that trolley on top of their. Oh, they launch in. You know, you know, like um, we get here where people will go and camp out on on the fence by uh, Heathrow and that. Yeah, and you get people with plane spotters. Is there an XL5 spotter? And it's a dangerous <laughs> hobby. Ah, you yeah, you don't last long if that's your hobby. Yeah, it's um, it is a great startup sequence because it sort of tells you everything you need to know. Um, like which the Anderson shows were great. This this uh, opening credits were always great. Um, and the early ones always followed that that same uh, uh, formula as you would have mu- music at the beginning and then a catchy theme song at the end. Yes. Um, yeah. On this one, no, no exception. We've got the uh, the amazing. Uh, I wish I was a spaceman. <laughs> it's great. It's so catchy. It's so cheesy. It, I've got funky, funky, got yeah, funky music. This, th- yeah, I mean, this is proper space age music, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know, we danced to it at a disco, wouldn't we? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 and. You know, it's black and white TV. It's early '60s TV, and yep. it's early days with the Derek Meddings and Co. So, yeah, you've got very visible wires. Very, very visible wires on this, um, which I think adds to the charm. Uh, and also, this is a, a early Anderson, but especially this show. Uh, it's a model maker's delight because you in one little sequence you'll get to see like four or five different scales of ship none of them match no none of them match uh all this stuff was handmade out of wood and stuff you know what they didn't have molds and stuff like that uh no computer stuff this this was artisans making it as best they could in different scales um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Derek Meddings uh, pioneered the use of going down to Woolworths and getting model kits and kit yeah. bashing and detailing your models, but not at this point. At no, this no, point, no. You're, you're absolutely right. All turned out of wood or carved yeah. or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I don't know about you, but I've made quite a few XL5s in my time. No, never uh, made have one. You never made one. No. Oh, it, I love it. It's a great ship. I'm it's not that big a fan make. of it. No, no, no um, I, I love it. Later on, um, you know, we're, we're not going to blow our load too early, but, you yeah. know, throughout this show's history, um, when we're on particular shows, we are going to be uh, rating our craft. Yes. But not to be- not the big not ones start, to begin with. Yeah, and wait. also, I, I mean, I, I see in, in this story, it has these nifty fold-out panels with missiles. Yes. Um, but I don't know if it can do anything else. So we're going to hold off on voting yeah, we, on, on yeah. XL5. We'll get to see some bits. I mean, this this is quite a long uh, start. This way, uh, as from episode two onwards, it's a, a curtailed. Oh, is it opening credits? Yeah, uh, but this is quite a long one, and it, you sort of see everything. Um, you you get to see it, and that, and and it's sort of it's immediately setting the story, and it we we get, and again, you this will be very familiar as the shows go on. So you get the central location. In this case, it's Space City. Um, you you then always meet the the person that runs the organization because there's always an organization and you meet their second in command and in this case it's uh commander zero uh and uh, lieutenant 90 lieutenant 90 yes um <laughs> and it cuts to the the thing and that's a this is this sounds stupid because it's a puppet show but it's a huge set that command center I have it's, got yeah, massive. That's a very spacious control room. They're yeah. about twenty feet from each other. Yeah, yeah, and um, obviously one of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons this is a space show, 
uh, set in the future is because obviously it was very difficult to get the puppets to walk convincingly or mm-hmm. at all. And so we get multiple, we have multiple instances of where puppets don't have to walk. Yeah. And that's why we get the, the hover bikes and things like that. Um, but no, it's, it's a real good, a real good sort of setup that we get here. And we're, we're straight away into um, the plot because we've only got half an hour in it. We, there's yeah. not, there's never any, um, never any room for fat on these shows until we get to Thunderbirds. It's a different story. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, they detect a missile uh, and they manage to detect somehow it's got a planatomic bomb uh, bomb on it. And evidently a planatomic bomb can destroy the Earth. Yes, one missile can destroy the Earth. Yeah. Now, I've, I've got a bit of a question about this because this is... Uh, uh, <laughs> Anne's just sent me a message saying... I've just had a bit of your Toblerone. It's the dirtiest substance on earth. <laughs> Random. So there you know, Told you, you know, we my... go off on tangents. Yeah, you know what my wife feels on... It is a, a you know, dark chocolate Toblerone. Yeah, I like dark chocolate. She doesn't like dark chocolate. So uh, anyway, back to the plot. So this is very, very reminiscent of Star Trek for me in that you've got a threat heading for Earth, but the only ship in the vicinity that can intercept mm. it is our hero ship. And it's like, okay, that, that sort of makes sense. But we then learned that uh, this is coming in through Sector 25. Sector 25 was Fireball's regular. Mm-hmm. It must have been the busy sector. I don't know what the other Fireballs were doing. There's a huge fleet of Fireballs, the, the spaceships, and this is Fireball XL5, and it was an mm-hmm. XL6, XL7. Um, so so they contact uh, Fireball XL5, and they say, this planatomic missile's coming towards Earth. You're the only ship within range. But then... In a commendable effort to show how big space yeah, is. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. We get a huge montage of them going, it's going to be 18 weeks before we get there. I mean, it's only five days or whatever, but there's a long, a big distance. So they're not just around the corner. It's like, okay, I, I like that. But then they intercept the missile when it's close enough that it's visible out the window <laughs> <laughs> from Space City. What if they'd have been a, a little bit late or. Well, is Earth in. Sector 25. I think Earth must be on the edge of Sector 25. Right. In which case, why wouldn't you number it Sector 1 if it's the closest to Earth? Hmm. Yeah. I think we need a space map. Well, we could draw that as we go. Yes. All right. So there he is, all lantern jawed, you know, yep. the quintessential hero type, Steve Zodiac. Steve he, Zodiac. What he always bloke. reminds me of Garth. Do you remember Garth yes. from oh, the yeah, Daily Mirror? Right. Yeah, he's very much like Garth. Um, he, he bedded less women. Mm. I think, um, but yes, uh, Steve Zodiac. He is our our hero, and I I don't think I'm I'm sort of um, giving any spoilers here when I say out of all the lead characters, he's possibly the dullest. <laughs> um, he's not got a lot going for him. He is literally that. That's his character description, isn't it? Hero. Yeah. I couldn't tell you anything else about Steve. He's a sexist, um, probably a racist. Um, that's sort of it. Um, he doesn't get a lot of character development. Well, we'll learn about this as the yeah. show goes on, I guess, won't we? Yes, yeah. we will. Interestingly, um, I, I, I mentioned you when we were just afterward watched this. I, I, it's weird. I noticed that this is episode one, and Steve's uniform sleeve is already covered in holes evidently that was from when he fires his gun right um, so they filmed that yeah. bit first they filmed the gun the sleeve. Yeah. it singed his sleeve and because they've only got the one uniform that's it 
That was so a he's, he's name, wandering around with holes in his uniform sleeve. I don't know. Where, I'd be interested to see whether it makes it to episode two, whether they have time to like put a new sleeve on it or something. But we also uh, we meet Steve and Fireball X or Five is um, depending on on background notes you read to this, it could be on its way home from a very long mission. Um, but we did, they don't really mention that in this. But we do get to meet one of my favourite characters, which is uh, uh, Robert the Robot. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant. And we get, I, I can't believe we get his uh, his catchphrase in this straight away, isn't it? It's like, on our way home. Yeah. He's and great. that voice, I, 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 yeah. I can't listen to that without thinking of Charlie in, in the first Mad Max. It's yeah. exactly the same thing, isn't I it? I can't see the interceptor. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's quite obviously uh, Jerry Anderson, isn't it? It's, and I, yeah. I was saying to you, I, I used to read that and go, is it? And then I watched it this time. I was like, oh, God, it's so obviously Jerry Anderson. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, we we meet the rest of the crew. Oh um, Yes. So we meet uh, Venus. So Venus is the space doctor. We made throughout this show that we get we get sort of candid uh, biographies of these people, don't they? They're, they're key things, and it's like she's a space doctor. Um, she's is also she really a bit of a botanist or something. What? Well, when we first meet her, it, it look, I think she's preparing them a meal, but she's yes. got these oversized test tubes. She's actually making their meal in test tubes, is she? Yeah, well, because we get some, we get a little bit of mild sexism uh, where Steve says, uh, uh, we're, right, we're going back to Earth, give uh, time for you to make us tea or whatever. And then he complains that it's, uh, it's space pills. Mm. So I'm presuming she's making space pills. Oh, okay. But her her character traits are she's a woman mentioned repeatedly. She's a good cook of French cooking space pills. Um, she's a doctor of space medicine, which seems to be quite rare. They make a big fuss of that. Um, she's a, some sort of botanist type person, um, and so that's her thing. And you thought another trait was, or your wife did, that she's drunk. <laughs> No, I saw somewhere that that yeah, um, yeah the, the the way her hair is dishevelled, yeah. and that strange smirk she seems to always have on her face is that uh, well, people perhaps, are interpreting uh, that that she's yeah. permanently drunk. It could be, or perhaps Robert is fully functional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I tell you what is very odd for me, you know, coming into this show new is that um, you, you you've got Sylvia Sylvia Anderson there as. Um, uh, as Venus, but that's Lady Penelope talking. You've yes. got David Graham as the professor. So I've got all these yeah. Thunderbirds voices yeah, yeah. It's, in it's a different very, show. Very similar. Yeah, uh, you're talking to the professor. He's a, he rounds out our crew, doesn't he? He's There's there's always seems to be in uh, Anson shows, there's always a, uh, a genius scientist. Um, uh, so you had Brains, Victor Bergman, and in this we've got Professor Matt Matic, mm-hmm. um, and he's also uh, that woebegotten thing, the comic relief. Yes. Um, so he he's 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 quirky. Um, he's quite reactionary. He's he's meant to be a bit older than the others, uh, and he does speak in that wonderful David Graham sort of uh, not quite as as not quite brains or anything like that, but he's definitely. He he's the we recently uh, discussed space pirates, didn't we, on the Doctor Who adversaries, and he's the Milo Clancy style yeah, 
yeah, colourful yeah. character in air quotes. Yes, but he's not problematic. No, no, they're all very good. Yeah, he's not. He's he, there's much worse of this style characters to come. Oh, is there? Yeah, yes, okay. he's uh, he's all right. I don't mind uh, Professor Matic. Um, do you imagine like his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Matic, and <laughs> they said, What should we name our son? Should we call him Matt? Not Matt Matic. Mm. Uh, <laughs> at least call him Otto. It's automatic. Mm. <laughs> Um, for the first time today, I'm going to ask the question, when those missiles open out of the side of the yeah. ship, how does everything fit in there? Very, very snugly. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> like a lot of Anderson shows, uh, you can't think too closely about the, the, the sort of layout of this stuff. Because um, the ship is a tube. Yeah, yeah literally. Th- th- those missiles folding out would have taken up all the interior <laughs> area of that well, tube. It, it's how like would you get past way, them? It's like stingray. How does all this stuff fit on it? Because yeah, we've got we see we see Professor Matic's lab, which seems to be quite big. We see wherever Venus is, she's got her own lab, seems to be quite big. Presumably, there's a galley, there's a recreation area. I imagine there's a swimming pool somewhere. It's a bloody living room. It's not a recreation yeah. area. It's like a, a huge, yeah. massive living room. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, Again, you're, if you're a model maker and you want to build a, a version of this with the full interior, you will go mad. I'd like to see um, one of um, old Graham's cutaway drawings to yes. explain all yeah. this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they fire a rocket, but it's exploded by radio waves from a suicide crew aboard the missile. Yeah, so this this is interesting, sort of slightly poignant after... Uh, the Twin Towers and that, isn't it? That this is a kamikaze crew. Yes. Um, which a suicide crew? Kamikaze. See, is that racist anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I might be turning into Steve Zodiac myself. Yeah. This the planetomic bomb, and they describe it in that wonderful way that all sixties stuff do by comparing it to the hydrogen bomb. Don't mm. they? They say the the planetomic bomb is a million times more powerful yes. than hydrogen bomb. Uh, you've always got to compare it to something that would mean nothing to these characters. Mm. You know, it's as big as a battleship. Um, so, yeah, they they fire a missile, but it explodes prematurely. I imagine that happens a lot with Steve, yeah. to be honest. Um, it's a long time in space, isn't it? Um, nobody in space can hear you cream. Oh, oh dear. Sorry. <laughs> um yeah, so they they then uh, they then uh, block the radio radar waves that are exploding it, uh, and they they manage to destroy it. Yes, um, don't know why they didn't do that to start with. But... Yep. And somehow they can plot yeah. it um, all the way back to planet four six. Yes, um, and we said I quite like the fact that it it takes them days to get there. Oh I, we... yeah, I I do like that because it's. It's something that you don't usually get in sci-fi shows for a reason. Um, and like I say, weirdly, we've just done Space Pirates, where they try the same thing, don't they? They try to make out, they get to address the fact that space is big, as Douglas Adams famously said. Mm. Um, but they did it in a way that was just utterly boring. Here, we get a lovely little montage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But yeah, so um, they get tasked with going to investigate Planet 4-6 to find out why these uh, this missile has been sent to Earth? Um, 
I mean, the the spoiler here, we don't really find out. <laughs> don't think they've got a reason, to be honest. Well, I, a question I've got, I mean, because, again, I don't know anything other than this first episode. I presume there are aliens out in the Fireball XL5 universe. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, they know. It, it's it, it's yeah. not a new thing to know, to encounter aliens. No, no. Well, the, the, whole, the whole point, and again, nice sort of parallels with um, Star Trek. Yeah, this whole XO5 fleet are the police force for the universe. They're, there's this, like, Earth um, Federation, and there's Earth colonies, but there's also known alien things. So this, this is a, a big universe that's well populated. Right. It's not a surprise. It's not like they're making first contact or anything like that. This is, I imagine... And I think we'll find out as we go along. I imagine this is a weekly occurrence from... Someone's sending the missile at us. Uh, mm. Who have we upset now? Yeah. Um, I'm still worried that they could see the explosion in through the windows of Space <laughs> yes, City, but yeah. um, we'll give it off. Uh, we get the next um, sexist comment from Steve, don't we? Because they, they set off a planet 4-6 and he goes... Uh, He's, yeah, he, he berates Venus because he says, where's my coffee? I told you to make coffee. Yeah. Say how about that coffee yeah. is exactly what he yeah. says. And yeah, we have a new feature on this new yep. show, which we haven't done before. Uh, but I think it's going to uh, be interesting. We have a tally called the dodgy tally. Yes. So we're going to have a point for every bit of sexism that we, we encounter, yep. every bit of racism, every bit of cigarette smoking, and yep. every bit of alcohol consumption yes so that's that's one point for that um say about that coffee go get it yourself you fool exactly yeah that's what i was like just put him in his place yeah you know um i i mean i we'll give them the fact that she's french and she speaks in an outrageous comedy french accent i'm not convinced that's french i don't know i don't know what she's doing it's meant to be french it's not a low low french is it no yeah i Listen here, we have a planetomic missile. I will say this only once. Or um, the, the, the yeah. angel in Captain Scarlet that's French. She's got an outrageous French yes, accent as well. Yeah. Do you think um do you think Jerry Anderson ever met any French people? <laughs> I don't think they I don't think they went out of the home counties. No, that's true, yeah. 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 Okay, they reach the planet. Um it's I love the fact that it's so far away but they can talk instantly to Earth. Yeah, there's instant communications. I I'm you know Again, Star Trek used to suffer from that a bit until they introduced, you know, subspace radio. But then once you introduce subspace radio, you've got to find a way for subspace radio not to be available. Yeah. So you'd have, like, subspace interference and that. Um, we also get introduced to... They try and introduce um, sort of a, a mildly futuristic words and, and almost swearing it. And this is... Um, a, Tootie. I'm a tootie. Yeah, and it gets used says. twice in this. But he says he's a tootie and Venus is a tootie. Yeah. I don't know what is that like tootie fruity? I don't what. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because they're down on the planet yeah. now, aren't they? Um, yes. Fireball Junior yeah, they, has, they, uh, has landed. Yeah, they that's lo- a nice they, model shot. Oh, it's lovely. You, they locate the planet and, um, it again quite sensible. So <laughs> they would do this whenever they found a planet. They would launch Fireball Junior, which is the nose cone of Fireball XO5, so that there's a, a, a an orbiting platform mm-hmm. should anything go wrong. It's quite, I, I like that. That's quite a yeah. sensible thing, isn't it? It's a, a step up from the 1950s land the entire spaceship type thing. Um, and I like Fireball Junior. I think it's a lovely little model. I made one uh, a while back. It's 
I do like the design. Um, and if, if any of you uh, get hold of the old SIG magazines, there is a lovely how to scratch build. Yes, yeah, I remember that. Uh, brilliant. That set me on my way to uh, plastic modeling in scratch building stuff. They've got some very yeah. nice blueprints always in the oh, middle. Oh, yes, always some great Phil Ray blueprints and that. Yeah. yeah um, so they launched Fireball Junior. Uh, they leave the Professor and um, Wobbert. Uh, Wobbert. On, on board. Evident is a secondary control room, which we haven't seen yet. I don't. I can't even remember whether we ever see it. But there's a secondary control room just behind the doors, right where the planatomic missiles uh, housed, and and um, the jetmobile yeah. things and as jet well. Mobile, just yeah. about there as well. Um, do you know what though? I I I don't think this is something we should blame them for because uh, I watched uh, Mandalorian this week. Have you been keeping up with it? I watched Mandalorian yeah. season three. And he's got this sleek little starfighter. Um, and somehow Grogu can get from the bubble yeah. to the front of his seat. Don't know how it happens. And where does he keep that big old egg pod that Grogu travels in? Yeah, that's a point. I, that's yeah. a fighter. It's not a cargo ship. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he should be trailing a little trailer in it. Um, so it's, <laughs> I can't blame him. This is something that carries on all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, Fireball Jr. comes down and lands... Um, on its spindly little legs, um, and they come out. And you might be you might be thinking to yourself when they come out, you go, oh, "It's handy. There's an atmosphere on this planet." Not necessarily. No, as we're going to find out soon. They yep. come out on their jetmobiles, and yeah, yeah. We're, we're quite a way into the story, and nobody has been seen to walk yet. No, at all. Yeah, there's good reason for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm a two T. When they yes. discover, discover a cave, they find this door, okay? And Steve has the great line, it can only mean one thing, <laughs> life. Yeah. You don't say, Steve. He's not. He's, I'm going to tell you, mate, he's on the ball, is Steve Zajac. As some people are saying, he's just a, you know, a good-looking uh, lump of muscle, but ah, he's, he's on the ball here. Although, I have to question it. So they, they go through the door, and there's this fiery lava pit. And he decides to fly over it through the flames. <laughs> I take it back. He's an idiot. Um, why don't they, we've seen that these things can f- hover above the height of XL five? Yeah, just, just go, go up, up a bit, man. mate. Yeah. Go up. <laughs> um, so yeah, he uh, he does the usual thing. He sort of um, uh, Venus, you stay back because you're a girl, and you'll obviously start crying or something. Um, and he does a manly thing. He goes over very very slowly through these flames, um, and I think we get the first instance of. Uh, People smearing Vaseline all over the puppets yes. to make them look like they're uh, sweating. I think it's glycerine. I, uh, glycerine that's definitely yeah. in that booklet. Oh, um, we'll come to that shortly. Yeah, so he, he gets across the lake, and you've got these two clear tubes either side of the door, and these guards pop up from underground. Have, have they just been waiting there for somebody to turn up, or what? I think so, yeah. I think they've just been bored. I mean, did they, did they expect uh, uh, an XL5 ship to come and investigate? What Maybe was they just plan? live down yeah. there. They might do, yeah. Well, they are subterraneans, aren't they? Which, yes, yeah. You know, they live um, underground. So Steve gets zapped by them, doesn't he? You're knocked yes. out. Venus yeah. legs it. Well, Venus, is, she's already seen, because she's a girl, she's seen a load of diamonds kicking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and gets excited. Um, but that doesn't go anywhere, does it? We know, no. What was the point of that? that? Yeah, I don't know. All right, so yeah, she, she she's uh, 
she, she screams and falls over and, yes. and she's knocked out. And yeah. uh, that was a, evidently that was a real um, arc it a, generator. It was a carbon it's arc. Mad. Yeah. 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 It's a carbon arc right wow. in front of this uh, very flammable puppet, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another missile rises up. It's going to be launched yep. and we go inside their control room and we meet our villain of the week. Yes, the subterraneans. The, um, yeah. yeah. Now, are these robots or are these no, aliens? No, no, these are aliens. Um, with Fireball X5, uh, they, they did it a little bit with um, Supercar, but with Fireball X5 and also uh, Stingray after it. So they, they, had, they basically had two puppets that had blank faces and they would do the Alien of the Week in Plasticine. And it's, what, it's over a bit that blank over face. the blank puppet. So you'd build it up make the episode, scrape it off, build up oh, the next I didn't alien. know that. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite clever. But evidently at one point, I'd love to see it whether the film exists, is one of them raises a hand and cuts their own nose off because <laughs> it's plasticine. Um, <laughs> what shows that in? Do you know? I don't know, no, but it's, it, it's quite a famous story. Well, we'll um, have to look out for it. That'd be brilliant. Uh, but yeah, so, th- so they're not the most detailed of, of aliens. But no, they're meant to be creatures. Um, that explains but, why because yeah. I'm looking at them thinking are they robots and you know our main character today that we're going to you know uh, vote on um, the subterranean subterrain chief um, is he wearing a turban he's got this I don't well I suppose I mean to me he's got a touch of the uh, uh, Jonathan Harris's about his face. <laughs> I don't know whether that's an insult, but he's wearing something. To me, it looks like a shower cap. But you might be <laughs> right because these aliens have got quite. A, again, George Lucas, we're looking at you. These aliens speak in quite a, a, a sort of racist Asian way, don't mm, they? Yeah. Um, and I can imagine them going, "Well, what are these aliens like? Well, they're Asians. Turban. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Yeah, I could see yeah. that." Um, he's got quite a whispery voice, and and, yes. and yeah. he tells Steve that Venus is aboard the second missile, and you've got to order the uh, order the ship down, otherwise she launches in that missile. So he yeah. calls up to the professor. There's another phrase. That's boss, Steve says yeah. the professor. Yeah, the, well, the professor's quite hip and with it, and he yeah, or yeah, would yeah. have been in the sixties. Uh, but yeah, he goes, "That's boss." Yeah. Um, yeah, they force Steve. They they threaten. I mean, I, there's not much professionalism here. But again, I can't blame them too much. I just watched this week's Picard, and the same thing happens. Um, they threaten someone that the hero knows well, and the hero then decides that that person's worth more than hundreds of other people. In this case, the entire planet Earth. Yes. Um, I mean, is Venus's cooking that good? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so he he. Because uh, when, when I was watching it, so I thought, oh, they must be, um, they must be like imitating him. But no, he just gladly goes along with it. Yeah, and he uh, orders on, the on, ship down. Yeah, yeah, on the hopes that he might be able to think up something afterwards. Yeah, yeah, he orders the ship to come down, which the professor is not happy about uh, because he doesn't think that the land's going to be particularly safe. And yeah, he lands it and immediately hits some quicksand. Yep, 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 you know? and and it starts sinking. Yeah. Um, and that's when the chief says that, uh, well, I'm going back on my word. Um, Venus will die when the Earth blows up, and then yeah. you're going to die. Instead of just killing both of them and yeah. then firing the missile. Yeah, just kill these people. Yeah. And Steve says, so much for the word of a subterrain. 
So yeah. I'm guessing Steve knows about these aliens. Uh, they must do, yeah. Because, I mean, he might be meaning it in a sort of, like, a caveman way. You can't trust a caveman. So they um, might not be called subterranes then. That's just a word that could, Steve's could made up. It could be a up. description that they've made up. Um, obviously, in all the uh, in all the promotional bumps and that, and online, they're called subterranes. But I don't, yeah, because he, the, they must know these people. But Steve seems surprised on seeing them. Mm. Or, yeah, it's just an insult. He's like, you can't. What, what do you expect? These people live in a cave. Yeah. You know. Okay, so Missile 2 launches, but something's wrong. And here's a, a very clear indicator that uh, of their Asian, you know, origins. This this language that oh, they God, talk. Yeah. You get that a lot in Jerry Anderson yep. shows. If if, if if you want a, a, a an alien race, have it saying, sound vague, vaguely... Eastern European or Asian? Or Asian, yeah. This is this is the sort of thing, you know, that Spike Milligan would make up when he's playing a comedy Asian person. Mm. Um, or yeah, it, it's a product of its time, but it's quite uncomfortable watching it now. Is that enough to garner another point on the dodgy I think so, tally? Yeah, I think their 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 native language is basically people going oogie boogie. Yeah. In a in a sort of Chinese, Japanese accent. All right. Okay. While they're distracted trying to get that problem sorted out, Steve keeps his pistol under his chair of his jet mobile. Yes. Which is sensible handy. Sensible man. Sensible man. Keep, and, always keep a spare. Yeah. And he guns them down. And I thought they yeah. would all be dead because it looks like he's he's killing them. But yeah, he's no, not. That, yeah. And that's the shot where his, uh, his sleeve gets burnt. Yes. Don't yeah. Um, yeah. He... Um, he guns him down, but it turns out his his it's a like a um, stun gun. Again, yeah. very Jerry Anderson sort of thing. Because you can't have the hero killing people willy nilly. Um, but yeah, so he he calls uh, he calls the um, suicide mission rocket, and uh, they bail out. Yes, because they can't explode it because she's on there. So they bail out into space. And this is the introduction of because the 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 <laughs> subterrain goes what the hell we can't breathe in space and uh, Venus goes oh yeah yeah we got oxygen tablets <sighs> that's the point at which it really descends into children's story territory isn't it yeah in Marine Boy one of my favourite yes, cartoons oxy gum yeah. you got oxy gum you got chewing gum that. that allows you to breathe underwater but that's a children's Japanese cartoon yeah. how many kids died testing <laughs> But but I know it's 1962, and you know yeah. people weren't even sure, you know, if if you could survive, you know, going through the 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 you know the the radiation band that's around the Earth, you know, and um, so you know it is a very naive time that it's all right. Yeah. I'll take take an oxygen pill. Don't worry about the actual, you know, the the fact that you'll freeze to death. <laughs> yeah, you'll freeze to death. Your veins will pop. Yeah. Yeah, you'll hemorrhage all over the place, but you'll be all right. You won't. You won't suffocate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's all a little bit silly, but you got to you got to sort of get used to that. The science in in Anderson shows is generally it gets uh, better. It gets better, but in these early ones, it's generally yeah, just not like the great. puppets and the effects. Yeah. It it does get better, doesn't it? Yeah. You it know? It's a shame, really, because they sort of learnt this by Stingray the next show when they go out underwater. You get lovely. Um, 
underwater outfits, frogman stuff. Yeah. And I thought it'd be great if they had spacesuits in this. Yeah. You know, um, I suppose probably budget. Yeah. yeah. When when they're rescued by Steve and they're all tied together and they're being um you know pulled along. That's very lost in space. The opening yeah, credits I are lost in space. Yeah, I thought that's very very lost in space. Um the other thing we find out as well is not only does oxygen tablets allow you to breathe in space, sound travels in space as well. Yeah. <laughs> they're just happily talk the two of them are happily talking to each other. Oh, it's um yeah, so it's a little bit little bit silly. Mm. And and that's basically it, isn't it? Uh, we don't find yeah, out we... what happens to the chief nor the uh, the the lackey that was in the second missile. There, I've no, got no. a bit of information in a minute. Oh, I, I presume there's a like a space prison somewhere. Uh, yeah, well, but we do get another another instance of Steve being a bit sexist, doesn't he? Where he because he judges Venus purely on her looks, isn't it? The mm. the the professor goes, "Oh, it's a good job we didn't lose her. She's a." a like a, our only space doctor, and he goes, "Yeah, she looks cute too." It's like, "Oh, Steve, shall we put that on?" I think we will put that on. All right, okay, all right, and and that's it, and yeah, we're into the we end. Get our lovely end song. credits and song. Uh, I don't know who oh. sang it. Was was it the same guy that sung um, the Stingray one? I don't know. I don't um, know. We'll we'll find that information for yeah. the next time we come round, but. Yeah, it's jarring because it is just so upbeat and uh, yeah. and 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 silly. Um, and you know, I'm used to the song at the end of Stingray, which you know uh, is is a classic and it matches what I know of the show. But but this is just so. Yeah, I wish I was. It didn't. I think this got um, uh, into the charts. Didn't it? I'm just gonna. I can believe it. I can totally believe it. Excel. I'm I'm glad that they stopped doing songs on Jerry Anderson shows. Can you imagine if there had been a song on Space 1999? Oh yeah, or UFO. I'm you know? living on the moon again, <laughs> wearing space flares. Yes, I've got huge sideburns. Of course, oh, I've uh, fallen down the stairs. Yeah, of Is course. Right? You know, it's it's not a surprise. There's a song because that was a trope yeah. at the time. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. All the cowboy TV shows had a song at the end, didn't they? They did. Oh yeah, it was Don Spencer who also sung Mary. Ah, there you go. Um, I don't Don Spencer. We need a guy on Play School. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was a minor hit in the UK. Spent twelve weeks in the country's music charts, peaking at number thirty-two in March '63. There's quite a few people buying it. Blimey, blimey! All right, that's the we story should, uh, over. Once, once we've gone round once, we should rate. We should do a rating on the music. Yeah. For each show, the theme song and the end song. All right. Okay. Good. Um, right. So behind the scenes, um, yeah. I've got a bit on the actual creation of um, Fireboy XL5, and then a bit more specific on this on this story. Right. Right. Um, and of course, you know, originally this show was going to be called Century 21, wasn't it? Because the ship was going to be called Century 21. Oh, I didn't know. Is that where Century 21 came from? Exactly. They, ah. Jerry Anderson and, you know, and his team, they, they, they very often reused, yep. you know, um, concepts and ideas and even names um, that, that they uh, hadn't got round to, to doing. So, yeah, originally it was going to be called Century 21 and the ship was called Century 21. I would. I don't know. If, I suppose that would have worked. We would have got used to it. But I quite like the the fireball name. Mm. I think it's a good name for a rocket. Yeah. So first first lengthy paragraph says um, 
And this is all about, you know, um, coming up with the ideas. It says, uh, Jerry and Reg both wanted a highly visual launch sequence which could be used recurrently throughout the series to save footage and as an iconic moment of excitement as with Supercar's launch from its base. Um, Sylvia Anderson says, uh, the design was based on the Russian vision of a spacecraft that took off horizontally at a time when all rockets were launched standing on their tails. While Derek Meddings in SIG commented, I probably stole it from Eagle Comics. I remember reading that's how the Russians plan to launch their rockets into space. Um, then it says, a detachable nose cone for Century 21 was suggested by Jerry, who was already aware that NASA had been looking at, uh, at lunar orbit, orbit rendezvous since the late 1950s, and that astronauts would touch down in a capsule while leaving the rest of the ves vessel in orbit. To overcome the problem of the puppets having to walk once landing on an alien world, Reg designed jetmobiles to allow the Firebell crew to hover smoothly along. The walking issue could also be circumvented in other situations by use of thruster packs worn by the characters mainly when walking in space. All right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, then the next bit is, and this is an even longer paragraph, um, the hero would be space patrolman Steve Zodiac, the handsomest, most courageous, all-American hero ever to enroll in Space Patrol. The brochure assured ATV that he would be every boy's idea of a real He-Man, but with a charm that will turn the heads of every girl viewer. You might turn to full stomach. <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> it goes on. The tall, powerful lead would be accompanied by Venus, his beautiful, delightful female assistant, who was a doctor of space medicine, but is never able to cope with a situation with the same cool nerve as Steve Zodiac. This perfect pair would thus typify Mr. and Miss America of 2962. I wonder if he was, because they used to base the puppet faces on different actors, and I wonder who uh, he was based on, or if he was based on someone. Who would it be around it's that time? Because it's um, um, in Stingray, it's um, James Garner. Yeah. James Garner, yes, yeah. I don't know. It says also aboard would be the quaint, kindly, and lovable mathematical genius of Professor Matthew Matic, plus Robert the robot, which functioned as Century Twenty One's automatic pilot. Robert was compared to George, the nickname of an auto of an aircraft's autopilot, and it was indicated that he would have a small degree of temperament, which would thus literally, uh, and would thus literally get steamed up. Yeah, he's a steam-powered robot, which is amazing. Yeah, I, li I like Robert. He's good. He is good. I, I love the way that he's clear. Yeah, yeah, um, and it says about the ship. Uh, the ship herself would be 300 feet long and contain laboratories, living accommodation, control rooms, storerooms, with equipment such as months of food for the crew in pill form. A miniature town with everything necessary for journeys through the universe that could take perhaps years. The nose cone could undock to make planetary landings. Once planet side, the crew would travel around aboard small jetmobiles which harnessed an, an electromagnetic force. Wow. So I've just sent you a uh, cutaway view of XO5. There's a oh, lot yeah. on it, if that's official. I've just sent it on Facebook. Um, I do like this this notion of of the space fleet. So there's multiple XO5s. And I do like the XO5. There's been some thought, because up till this point, you look at like 1950s films and that, literally 
these rockets are just one room they don't there's never any thought to how people will survive in space and i do quite like this idea that this is like say almost a town in space mm. it's off doing long patrols and remember this is pre star trek yeah 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 know? yeah by it's quite, got their first quite, by quite, quite a bit yeah. yeah yeah that's out of an annual you can tell that, yeah. that's definitely out of an annual there's upstairs very, and downstairs. Yeah, it looks very compact, doesn't it? Compact yeah. and bijou. Yeah. Um, and then the last bit of behind the scenes is regarding this story and, and regarding yep. the ending. Uh, the subterranes were given a fair trial on Earth and sent to a deserted planet, the oh. Alcatraz of the universe. However, the other leaderless subterranes would still represent a potential threat for future escapades. Oh, uh, did they come back, I wonder? Well, we'll find out, won't we? We'll find out, yeah. Um, so they... They came from a desolate, barren planet where they're living in a cave, and they yeah. put them on a desolate, barren planet where they're presumably living in a cave. Well, the question is much of a punishment for them to be. Yeah, but honest. we don't know that Planet Four Six is their home planet. No, that's true. Yeah. It could be just a launch base. Can you imagine at the trial, the judge goes, "You're going down, subterraneans. We're going to send you to our prison planet. Where is our prison planet? Oh, it's on Planet Four Six. Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's behind the scenes uh, done. So, yeah, yep. at this point, we will always check on our uh, dodgy tally list. Yes. And uh, for first show out the gate, we have a dodgy tally of three. Oh, dear. Do you get the feeling that Steve's going to be the main uh, sort of source driver? Of yeah, of the it. main source of these dodginess. Much the way, um, you know... George saw in UFO could yes. be oh, God. for yeah. all, <laughs> all, oh all, all categories. <laughs> I yep. think he will be the font that keeps giving out points. I think, yes. And but, this is definitely a just a, a, a this is what people were like in the sixties because when when you see interviews, I mean, I, I met Jerry Anson once or twice, but I didn't know him, and you know, he could be you know, not being himself in interviews and that, but no one's ever, ever expressed that he was sexist or racist or quite the opposite. He was quite liberal in his views. Well, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, look at, um, you know, UFO for uh, any charge of um, sexism. Um, Look at the crew on, on the moon base, you know, uh, Lieutenant Green, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, Captain Scarlet. Right. Um, yeah. the, the, the original idea for Maya was that she was to be black, but it's yeah. the American uh, yeah, financiers said no. who said, nope, 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 because can't some of the... Can't sell it in Texas then. Can't yeah. sell it in the southern county, uh, yeah. Uh, states, yeah. It's, it's very, very strange. So I think this is, this is the very definition of casual sexism and casual racism. And I'm not saying that to make out it's not, detrimental or anything like that. but i think it was wasn't it it was just such an ingrained no one thought this was anything other than normal behavior no and any piece of yeah. entertainment is a is holding a mirror up to yeah the to its, uh yeah. The, the standards of of the time it was made yeah i think mm-hmm. sci-fi especially so isn't it it's 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 always about futuristic things but it's more of a yeah it's a blueprint for what was happening at the yes. time and what the, the the current thoughts were. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything any. I say I don't think there's any nasty bone in this show's body. No, it's purely to entertain. Yeah, and you can say that about all Jerry Anderson shows. Yes. Yeah. yeah. His stuff was always meant to entertain, not be political. 
just and and I think that's possibly why they've stood the test of time. Yes. Also, thoroughly enjoyable. I enjoyed this little half hour. Yeah. Bugger yeah. all happens in it. <laughs> the aliens of uh, uh, like paper thin characterization, but you just sit back and enjoy it. It's really good. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what kids made of it these days. You know, well, put, put a couple of twelve year olds down. Well, I've I've said that you know I, I I've sat our children down to to. You, you know, introduce them to the Jerry Anderson puppet shows, and they um they they they, they couldn't get their heads around it because they yeah. didn't grow up where puppet shows were everywhere, weren't they yeah. on TV? Well, like we said before, that we we puppets were normal. We learnt stuff from puppets. We learnt from Hartley Hare. We learnt from the itsy bitsy spiders. Uh, we learnt from these guys. These was just these were as real as. The normal people on telly. Yeah, the variety you know? shows yeah. that were everywhere. You always had a puppet show, either yeah. whether it's a hand up a, a up a puppet or a stringed one. Yeah, Pinky you always had event act and you always had like Pinky and Perky. I mean, they were chart yeah. toppers. Yeah. You know, they had more hits than bloody Queen. But, um, you know, it's you, bad. You, you get like a seven or eight year old yeah. and, and show them an act with a puppet or a ventriloquist dummy. And they're like, what? You know, yeah. Punch and Judy pub, show. Yeah. Show an eight-year-old yeah. a Punch and Judy show. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, very, very strange. We must. I don't. Were we more naive or were we more innocent? I don't. Know. Again, it, it's a reflection of of the time. Uh, of yeah. the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, our, our subject today, then. I mean, sometimes we're going to include heroes and villains. Yes. In the stories we look at, but today it's only our first Fireboy XL5, so no, no, no rating of the heroes yet. No, but we have we got don't a wanna, villain. We don't want to blow our load too quickly. No, do no. We? So, so we have the chief, right? We're yeah. going to uh, vote on the chief uh, before we give him um, um, rate him. Um, the actor who played the chief yeah. is an actor who's also in something else in Fireboy XL5. And and that's John Bluthall. He is uh, the voice of uh, Commander Zero. Yeah. But here he's the subterranean chief. John Bluthall, I know, I'm sure you know him from being, you know, uh, a sidekick to Spike Milligan in all the Spike Milligan shows. Um, I know him so well from that. Um, He's also... um, in that very unfunny scene in Superman 3, he's the man at uh, the Leaning yes, Tower of Pisa yes. <laughs> that yeah. uh, can't sell his Leaning Towers of Pisa because he, Superman yeah. evil has straightened yeah, it. Yeah, that's probably the best. Uh, he, he, to me, I, I would say he could have also been the the inspiration for Professor Matic. Very similar mm. facial looks. But yeah, I think I'm sure he was also in things like Benny Hill and that, wasn't he? He was, he was in tons of stuff. Some, yeah. uh, he, he was in the following um, carry-ons. He was in carry-on spying as the head yeah. waiter. He was in carry-on follow that camel as Corporal Klotsky. Yeah, I, I remember in that. Yeah. yeah, and carry-on Henry, but I don't know what he played yeah. in carry-on Henry. Um, he was born in Poland in 1929. Uh, but emigrated to Australia with his family in 1938 to escape the rising anti-Semitism. He studied at Melbourne University and moved to England in 1956. Okay? Yeah. Um, and something we do on all our shows is we uh, have a, uh, a genre tally, don't we? We do, yes. But we don't on this one. What we're going to have is an Anderson tally because a lot of the voice artists 
Yeah, um, there was a there was a, uh, almost a, a company, wasn't there, of voice artists that Anderson would use. Yeah, when we get to the likes yeah. of Shane Rimmer, I mean, oh, like, God well, knows what his yeah. score's going to be. But but John Bluthall has an Anderson tally of thirty nine. Wow. Okay, uh, and that's all Fireball XL five. Yeah. I I seem to remember. I think you you asked me before we started recording. Uh, you wonder how um, how, how this show is going to stand up being the same thing every week. Mm. And I, that my override memory is that the, the plots are usually uh, something happens. X or five goes to a planet. They meet two aliens, and those two aliens always have the same voice. So I wonder if he used to do the well. He's Wilbur Zero. Yeah. Um. But. Uh... Yeah, thirty-nine times, um, yeah. and in the I thought to replace the genre tally because we've been doing that an awful lot. Yeah. Um, instead of the genre tally, I thought we'd have an ITC tally. Oh yeah, that'd be good. All right, and uh, oh, John has an ITC tally of five. Oh okay. And that's uh, he was twice in the Saint. Right. Then he was in the Avengers, then the Baron, and then Man in a Suitcase. That's not a bad. Uh... A bad sort of uh, CV to have, is it? Nope, nope. I would watch any of them happily. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. All right, then the subterranean chief. Here we go. This yes. is this is the bit I'm looking forward to on this show. Is our final tally for each character, putting them on a list, and just see, you know, where are yeah. the Thunderbirds characters alongside the Space 1999 characters, the UFO characters alongside the Stingray characters, um, and we always vote out of ten, don't we? We do, yes. And we're going to do what we do with uh, Doctor Who adversaries, is we're going to vote out of 10 on the uh, character's design, then the effectiveness, stick the two together, divide by two, and that gives a yep. final tally, all right? So so this subterranean chief, you look at a photo of him, what do you think of the look of him? Well, again, because they were, they were done, they were one-offs, they were done in plasticine, um, I don't know whether they were done by the same uh, artist or not. I'm not sure. But if you look at a photo of the standard subterrain and the, the, the chief subterrain, they're completely different faces. Mm. You know, they've got, and I like that because we're too often aliens look the same. and We don't all look the same, so they shouldn't. So I, I, I quite like that. It's quite a basic design um, compared to some of the ones we get later on. Of course, this, again, I don't know whether this was filmed first or whether they this was filmed, you know, a little bit along. We didn't never, you know, they used to do that a lot. You'd never, mm. you'd never film your pilot episode first. You'd let people, you know, find their feet so that you're not showing the the weakest one first. Um, so I think that the the aliens do get a lot more detailed as we go on. But these are quite simple. They they sort of do the job. They do look a bit robotic. I see what you mean. They've got almost a radiator grill chin, mm. like a car. Um, I'm not sure. I think I think I prefer the standard guy to the man with the <laughs> the turban on, or whatever the hell it's meant to be. And like, so he does have a touch of the uh, the Doctor Smiths for me. Um, it's a difficult one because we've got nothing else to go on. So I'm going to give him for design. It's quite a bland design. It's quite a bland uniform. Um, I'm going to give him a four for that's, design. That's what I put. Yep. Okay. And how effective is he? Um, he, there's not a lot to him. He does also appear to be completely thick because <laughs> he does get easily beaten by Steve. I mean, when you're beaten by Steve Zodiac, um, I'm going to give him a four as well for effectiveness. Okay. Uh, and this is almost the baseline because we normal traditionally 
we always score too highly on the the first few of these. We do, and then don't we? it down. Yeah, so I'm going to give four. That's my baseline. I can gauge everything compared to this fella then. All right. Well, I, I moved him up to a um, to a five. Oh, so, okay. so it's four and a half. All right. So that's a final tally of 4.25. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to put them in. What do you think we should put them in? Because um, we, we have a hypothetical caravan park for Doctor Who adversaries. Yes. We had escape pods what in we Alien. we Anderson stuff? Um, um, I don't know. Yeah, because there's not really a, a theme going on, is it? We'll think. Any suggestions? If our listeners got suggestions, what do we what do we put these in? Where are we going to? Where are yeah. they going to live? Yeah. Because it was apartments in Blade Runner, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Apartments in Blade Runner. Caravans. I don't know how we got into caravans. In, uh, Shall we just put them in a caravan two. park? Caravan park for now, yeah. All right. A it caravan park at Black Park. Yeah. Yeah? A space park. A space yeah. park, yeah. All right. Okay, so that's 4.25. Um, at some point, I'm not going to do the missiles. Um, we're we're going to have a vehicle tally. But yeah, that, that, those missiles... missiles Boring, um, aren't well, they? they're not a vehicle. We, oh, I suppose they are a vehicle. They there are. was a little I, cockpit on the top, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, I think we get used to that missile. I think we see it a bit. Oh, right. Yeah, mm. I think it, there's a lot of reusing of footage in XL5. All right. Okay. And something we're going to be doing, although I don't. Th- <laughs> no, this absolutely isn't going to be on your list. Something we we um have uh, copied across from Doctor Who adversaries is our top ten Jerry Anderson stories. Okay. Um, no. No. No, I can't. <laughs> I don't think I can put this into uh, uh, into my top ten. Right. That's actually very interesting. I wonder. I almost. I can almost sort of guess what will fill up our top ten. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be UFO, Space 1999, and occasionally Thunderbirds with a touch of Captain Scarlet's. But it'll be interesting to see when will any of these early. And it has to be said, Fireball and Stingray are the the most simplistic. Uh, of the shows, although saying that we we are also covering Terrorhawks, hmm. yeah, which I don't remember as being particularly above this sort of level, even though it was what thirty years later. I think Terrorhawks is going to be our equivalent of uh, when we go round to Alien Resurrection. Yes, I think so. Yeah, isn't it? And it's a good it's good to have that reminder at the end of a you know that. This is the worst it's going to get, probably. Yeah. Although we might be pleasantly surprised, and we might reevaluate Terrorhawks and go, actually, this is a misunderstood work of genius. Well, we might. It's going to be take quite a while till we reach Terrorhawks. Yes. Um, next time, of course, it's Stingray. Yes. Good Very Stingray. first episode of Stingray, which didn't have a title, so it's just apparently called Stingray. Yeah. The, the imaginatively titled Stingray and Stingray. Yeah. Yes. So, Which yeah. we have discussed before as well, haven't we? We have on Effectively mm. Speaking. That's a podcast I haven't mentioned. That's one. Um, um, it, it's not a yep. you and me no, uh, no. always uh, show, is it? You, you, no, you that co-host was your first, on it. Yeah, your first podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I've got a load of floaters around me. I have a floating <laughs> a team of uh, co-hosts. And yeah, we have talked about the effects of... Uh, the very first episode of Stingray, but yes. I can't remember a thing about that. I don't know. We've done so many uh, podcasts now. I don't remember. I mean, in fact, when I said to you, you, you were like, no, we haven't. <laughs> I, don't I can't that. remember that at all. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd go on the Neozaz page and uh, seek it out. Yeah. But, we, but this will be all new because we'll, you know, we'll be watching it fresh for this. And we're talking about um, the characters yeah. as well rather than, yeah, than exactly, the effects. Yeah. And yeah. We're, we're, we've... Um, 
we've dedicated to this, haven't we? We've gone out and bought all the box sets on DVD. I've still yet to buy Terrorhawks. Yeah, I've only got half of Terrorhawks because it was a, one of those weird things where they released the box sets originally in bits. Yeah. It's just so archaic because there's not that many episodes. Yeah. But yeah, um, other than that, we've we've got everything we should be able to cover. Yeah, my uh, I, my my Stingray is the Blu-ray edition. Have you got oh, Blu-ray or DVD? I, uh, I think I've got the DVD. I'm not sure. I've got a. I think I've got Joe Ninety in Blu-ray. Um, I just picked them up wherever whatever was cheapest on eBay. Right. Uh, and occasionally the Blu-ray was cheaper than the DVD set, which was strange. That's a bit odd. Yeah. Odd. Uh, I know some of the some of the DVD sets are much like the Lost in Space ones. They're worth a bit of money. Mm. I don't know whether they were limited or, you know, different aspect ratios, different um, things like that. Because I know they've played a bit with Thunderbirds, haven't they, on different releases? Yeah, and, and yeah, that they've color corrected. I see yeah. in, in, on on some things, and uh, some some fans are not happy about that. Um, do do. A small aside just before we go, but um, do you find it frustrating? You say that you know that some DVD sets are more expensive than the Blu-rays. It could be that the, and I find this very frustrating. Um, where you'll get a Blu-ray release, so the picture quality is a lot better, but the the original DVD release has better uh, extras. extras. Yeah. Oh, I, I that annoys me all the time because I understand if they change companies. Because obviously the you know there's rights involved things like that, and you're buying the rights to the episode. But when it's the same company releases it on Blu-ray, but then doesn't port the extras over, mm. you know, uh, I don't get it. It really annoys me because they they've done that so many times with the Alien films, where you've got to keep all your previous versions because yeah. there used to be one thing that's on it, and you've got to keep the box set just for that one. I find thing. it very frustrating yeah. with the Hammer films. I yes. upgrade yeah. to Blu-rays, but the 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 DVD um, has got extras that aren't on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what what it's about. It can't, it can't be space on the disc because obviously Blu-ray is much, much more space than on a DVD set. Yeah, the biggest criminal um, for that to do with this show is the Captain Scarlet Blu-ray. There's yes. not one extra on the Captain Scarlet Blu-ray, no. and yet there's tons on the DVD box set. Yeah, I need to. I, uh, obviously, I'm looking forward to watching Captain Scarlet because you you've got the box set and I've watched so many episodes. You say the the new transfer is oh, amazing. it's stunning, absolutely yeah. stunning. The picture quality on the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, they've gone back to the original negatives. And yeah, uh, I what I I obviously I you know I've had the uh, Space 1999 Blu-rays for a long time now, and I I thought that was that was almost the perfect transfer because they went back to the originals, they color corrected it how it should have been before the ITV networks knacked half of it. Uh, and it looks spectacular. It looks like it was filmed yesterday. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping for big things from uh, Captain Oh, Scarlet. no, no, no. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yeah, no. All right, that's it. That's us done. Excellent. Um, oh, yeah. A new series launched successfully. Yeah. Watch out for icebergs. Yeah, new listener. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed uh, it. Let, um, let us know. This is about the level we're going to be at. We will be talking about Toblerones and and yes. uh, and, yeah. and all sorts of different other things. We'll, yeah, we'll and we're we'll constant, constantly interrupted by real life cats, yeah. children. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. We don't edit these, do we? To no, to make us sound more professional. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, all right. Okay, folks. Well, Good yeah, stuff. join us next time when we're off to Marineville, aren't we? Yeah, Marineville, yeah, which is uh, 
I think has a lot more memories for both of us. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Excellent. Good stuff. Okay. Nice one. Thanks, Ian. See you Thanks, then. Ian. Bye-bye. Bye bye.